It's a word that strikes fear into the hearts of teachers everywhere. Okay, maybe just me, but the word is assessment. Yes, assessment. This is a word that used to totally send me running for the hills. I thought it was a trap for music teachers. Like, how on earth are we supposed to collect data and give tests for a thing that is so untestable? Well, that's what I used to think. I used to think that assessment was a gotcha or this impossible task that requires all sorts of prepping and planning and extra stuff. But it's not. It's an integral, informative, and pretty simple part of our entire teaching process. You're listening to the Anacrusic Podcast, episode 113, and today we're talking about real assessment in the music room. and I've helped music teachers just like you get more intentional in their classrooms through my trainings, curriculum, and tips shared on this podcast. The truth is, teaching music is hard. You have a bunch of kids to teach and not a lot of free time to figure out how. Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated is totally normal. But here's the good news. It only takes a few simple steps to flip the script. And although it may be simple, it's definitely not easy unless you have the right toolkit. So let's start tuning and transforming your music teacher life right now. The actual steps you need to find the purpose, follow a sequence, and choose joy are right here. This is the Anacrusic Podcast. Okay, you may have finally hit your stride in terms of all the changing things with teaching in 2020 and now 2021, but even though the way you've been teaching is probably a little different, what you're teaching, the intention behind what you're teaching is still the same. And so planning stress is probably all too real right now. Think about it. How often do you stare at your open computer screen looking at a blinking cursor, thinking, what should we do this week? Is it every time you sit down to plan your lessons? It took me a hot minute to figure it out too, to be honest, and at first it was a hot mess express. I threw things in all willy-nilly at the last minute, wasn't really sure what led here or there, and I had no clue how to keep my kids engaged throughout my music lessons. I knew there had to be an easier way, a process, or a system for how to plan my lessons week to week that would be efficient, effective, and beat the overwhelm. Well, guess what? There totally is. And I want to share that system with you. Join me in my upcoming free workshop, The Ultimate Music Lesson Planning Roadmap, How to Plan Music Lessons Without the Overwhelm. I'll share with you the four planning pillars that have perfected my planning process inside this free workshop. Head to anacrusic.com forward slash workshop to snag your seat. Again, that's anacrusic.com forward slash workshop. So let's start things off by stating the obvious. 2020 was probably not the best year for assessment. It wasn't the best year for pretty much anything, but maybe most of all assessment. The way we were teaching kids was flip turned upside down and unpredictable, and it made it really, really difficult to gather data in a way that we're supposed to or that we're used to. And let's state the other obvious, that not a whole lot is super duper different heading into the second half of this year. My hope is the difference is that you are choosing simplicity in your lessons. And not simplicity in the sense that you are writing off the year or focusing on what you can't do, but rather focusing on keeping your objectives simple. If you have a curriculum map, if you have an ordering of concepts and things that you want your kids to learn or that they are supposed to learn each and every year in your classroom, you might feel behind. 
But listen, when I tell you this, there is no behind. Not this year, but really not any year. The way that music teaching works is that students build upon previous knowledge to go on to the next thing. That spiral curriculum only works if we give kids a chance to synthesize what they've learned and apply it in many different modalities successfully before we move on to the next. If one domino is out of place, the rest don't even have a chance to fall in line. And this is 100% related to assessment. Assessment is gathering information from your students that will inform whether they got it, whether they didn't, and then helps to inform you about what you should do about it. Let me say that again in a different way. Assessment is literally observing, gathering responses from your kids, watching what they are doing, taking notes about their musical interactions, and relating that back to your lesson objectives so that you can make an informed decision about what to do in the next lesson. Because if the domino has fallen, if they don't get it, it takes time for you to reteach, differentiate your teaching, or if it's in line and you can move on, you can reteach the new thing. So behind is a myth. If you find yourself using that terminology, stop. We are not in the business of covering concepts. We are not in the business of just going down the list and checking off what we did that day. We are in the business of exploring, helping our students to discover, then extend and apply their musical understandings in ways that allow them to be both musically literate and fluent in a meaningful, active way. So now that we've gotten the behind myth out of the way, and we've sort of edged our way toward getting into the nitty gritty of assessments, let's talk a little bit about what assessment can look like, no matter how we might be teaching this year. For me, there are really two types of assessment data, one of which is observation-based and the other of which is more quantifiable data. This is where my nerdy research background comes into play, so just stick with me here. The majority of the formative assessments we do in the music classroom are observational. We can create opportunities for student exploration, discovery, and extension, and we can simply observe their musical behaviors and make a decision about whether or not they get it. This informs how quickly we can move through the learning sequence framework and whether or not they need more practice with different modes of musical fluency, like aural, visual, and kinesthetic representations, or different media of active music making which can help promote fluency through differentiation of instruction. These are your check boxes, the yes-no types of assessments that you can do while you're playing a game or allowing students the opportunity to improvise in the moment. More cumulative, perhaps rubric-based assessments are those that come by way of quote-unquote traditional assessments. Think of those paper and pencil, maybe more music literacy-based type things that can be easily quantified and explained to those outside of our field. This is likely what you're thinking of when you think about assessment, or at least it's what I used to think about, but I encourage you to really broaden your definition of what assessment is and what this particular type of assessment might look like. So yes, paper and pencil stuff can give you a really clear picture on whether or not students can identify, read, and write different musical concepts, but it ignores perhaps the more important skills of creating. So this is why I'm such a fan of observational data and why it's so important to the entire learning sequence framework and how you facilitate the learning in your classroom. Even if you never write anything down in a lesson in terms of assessment data, you should still be able to take observations and know quickly whether or not your students are getting it based on your behavioral objective. 
So let's talk about behavioral objectives for a second because what exactly should you be assessing? For every lesson that I teach, I have at least one major objective and likely a minor objective that I am focusing on. These objectives are musical elements like a rhythm pattern or form that I'm focusing on promoting literacy and fluency with my students through the learning sequence framework. But my lesson objective is never just FA or TA and TT or ABAB form. It's a behavioral objective stated in my student's voice that both I and the students can identify the behavior and make an assessment about it. So for example, instead of fa as my objective, my objective might be today in music, I will identify descending and ascending melodies. Now, this doesn't say anything about fa, but it is certainly something I would do in the exploration phase of the learning sequence framework for fa, where I would find patterns or songs that include do, re, mi, fa, so, and so, fa, mi, re, do for students to play with and get into their aural imagery. Similarly, for Tan Titi, I would likely have something like, today in music, I will identify one and two sounds on one heartbeat as a discovery lesson for my first graders. And for ABAB form, I might have, today in music, I will create rhythm patterns with a repeat sign, which would fall in the extension phase. But the point here is that all of these objectives indicate a behavior that both I can observe and the students can self-assess. And you can likely see that throughout the course of the lesson, it should be fairly straightforward about whether or not the students as a group or individually can accomplish these tasks. Assessment is something that doesn't wait until the end of a concept plan for me. It happens each and every day and each and every lesson at least once, because not only does it inform when my students are ready for the next concept, but it helps me with the micro-sequencing, with identifying when they are ready to discover or extend a particular musical concept within the learning sequence framework. So if we're going to talk about what shape this can take in a more summative sense, or at least in a way that you can show your students work in like hard copy, simply have them write it down. If you are having students orally identify ascending and descending patterns, create an exit ticket where they can choose A or B for a series of patterns, whether it's ascending or descending. If you are having students identify one or two sounds on a beat, have them arrange icons over heartbeats and take a picture and save it to Seesaw or Nearpod. And if you are having them create patterns in ABAB form with a repeat sign, have them perform those patterns and then notate a neighbor's pattern. The actual hold-in-your-hand assessment can be a natural way of extending the active music-making, the active creating that is already happening in your classroom. Now, if this feels fuzzy, if you aren't sure about what to choose as lesson objectives or how to format your lesson or how this can all work on a larger scale within the learning sequence framework or your concept sequencing or your curricular objectives, I really encourage you to attend the free workshop coming up this week. I'm going to share some really actionable strategies for you to streamline and simplify your planning and therefore your assessment by working through some of these ideas. But as a quick recap, here are some of the things that I really think you should focus on when it comes to assessment. First of all, remember that there is no behind and you can't move forward until your kids are ready because they need those skills that you're teaching them for the next concept coming later. It's not just a checklist. Second of all, assessment should happen every lesson and always relates back to a behavioral objective. Number three, assessment is largely observational data where you can make informed choices in the moment about what to teach next. And last but not least, if you need to collect hard data, make it a natural extension of the active music making that is already happening in your classroom. 
Well, that's it for today, friends. If you want to hear more about assessment, how it works with the learning sequence framework, and how you can do it no matter how you are teaching your kids this year with the addition of a little tech, make sure to tune into Thursday's episode because I and a member of the Anacrusic community has a special treat for you. See you then. Thanks for spending this little pocket of your day with me. I know music teachers are super strapped for time, so be sure to check out all the resources on anacoustic.com for today's episode. Don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to today's podcast so you don't miss an episode of TAP. That way, you'll be notified each and every week when a new episode's live. And if you want even more tips and tricks delivered to your inbox, like a little love note from me to you, make sure you sign up for the Anacoustic newsletter and you'll be the first to know all the things. Also, if you are feeling today's episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd love you forever if you take a hot minute and leave a review. See you next time.